For the scripture reading, we turn in our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9. The second book of Samuel chapter 9. Um, just to get into it by way of background, this is about King David. And if you go back a few verses, the end of chapter 8, verse 15, you will see that it says, So David reigned over all Israel. So David is now the king over all Israel after Saul. And it also says there, David administered justice and equity to all his people. And then there are a few names there of his officials. And uh, so it's a good situation for God's people. They have a, a new king. They have a good king, a wise man, and someone who loves the Lord. So, let us read chapter 9 together. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. Then the king, then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that, I, that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son, whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. The text for the sermon is 2 Samuel 9. Verse 7, we'll read that again with you. 
So David had invited Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul, and when he came to him, David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, maybe you have seen something last month of the coronation of King Charles III. Maybe you saw the headlines or maybe you have seen something of the ceremony on television. My wife got up early that morning, I remember. I was not eager enough to do that, but I saw parts of the service later that day, and it was very nice to see that there was still a lot of Christian content reflected in the prayers and the songs. What the media focused on a lot was uh, who was invited, who was on the guest list, and how are they dressed and so forth. Who was invited and who was not. I'd like you to imagine that you were invited to uh, come to Buckingham Palace to join the royal family for dinner. I'm sure you would be astonished and uh, excited, but perhaps also a bit anxious. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to wear? And when I'm at a dinner table, how am I supposed to, to behave and things like that? Now, in our text this morning, we hear about someone who is invited to come to Jerusalem, to the palace, and to eat at the table of King David. And it's not just a one-time thing. He is invited to eat at the king's table always for the rest of his life. And this uh, young man, I think he is still young, although he has a son already. Anyway, his name is Mephibosheth, a grandson of King Saul. And you can tell from the chapter that we read that um, special grace and friendliness is extended to him three times in the chapter. The word kindness is used. In one instance, even, it says, the kindness of God. Uh, King David says, I want to show the kindness of God to him. So let's see how this uh, episode gives us a picture of the kindness of God as extended by King David to this man, Mephibosheth, the grandson of King Saul. And also as this gives us a picture of the kindness that the Lord extends to us when he calls us to be his children, adopts us as his children, and in a very special way this morning, we, we are at the table of the king. So this, uh, this chapter here in Second Samuel is a beautiful prefiguration in a way of uh, what we experience as Christians under the grace of the Lord, especially on a day like this when we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. So the theme for the sermon is experiencing God's kindness at the king's table. 
And we'll see three things, that this kindness is a surprise, it's surprising. It's also secure, it is guaranteed, and then it's also enjoyed. So, experiencing the kindness of God at the king's table, it is surprising, it is guaranteed or secure, and it is enjoyed. So, as I already said earlier, in our text we meet a King David who is at the height of his power. The previous chapter, chapter 8, gives us an impressive overview of all the victories of King David. All the enemies have been defeated, and uh, it ends, verse uh, 14, and the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. So things were really good in Israel. They had a powerful king who was victorious wherever he went. All the enemies are defeated, but he was also a righteous king, a wise man under his rule. The people were flourishing. Isn't that wonderful? When you have a ruler, um, even today we know that, when you have a president who is a wise man or a prime minister, the people flourish. And when you don't have such a man, the people suffer. So, David is on the throne. What a blessing. Now, you and I know, when you know the Scriptures, that it's not going too long to last for too long, because uh, a few chapters later, we have this terrible thing that David fell in sin, committed adultery with the wife of one of his soldiers, and he even had the man killed. And after that, things start to go downhill. But here, you could say, everything is still beautiful. Everything is wonderful. It's a time of peace and prosperity. And it hasn't been easy for David. It took him a long time to come to this point. He was pursued. He was persecuted by King Saul. He had to flee. He had to hide in the, in the hills, in the mountains, in caves. But now King Saul died in a battle with the enemies, and David is king. And then we have this question at the beginning of the chapter. David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul? Now, that could be a scary question if you are a descendant of Saul. You know, it often happens, especially in the old days, when there is a new king and there had been a war. The new king wants to make sure that his throne is secure, so he will go around and have all the descendants of the previous king killed, just to make sure that nobody gets any ideas. So David says, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul? But here's the surprise, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. So David calls in Ziba, who used to be a servant of Saul, and asks, is there still anyone left? from the house of Saul? Yes, Ziba says, that is still a son of Jonathan. His name is Mephibosheth. He lives uh, in someone else's house in Lodabar. For your information, Lodabar is a village, was a village on the other side of the Jordan River. So I guess what had happened, Mephibosheth thought that, well, I'm a grandson of Saul. Maybe I should just 
go someplace far away so that I won't be perceived as a threat to the throne of King David. So he went on the other side of the river. It's like today when you messed up in Ontario or you don't want people to see you, you where would you go? Maybe you go to Quebec and live in someone's basement. You don't want to be seen. That's the idea. Nothing against Quebec, just, just an example. Mephibosheth, we are told, is crippled in his feet. It's a sad story. You can read it in 2 Samuel 4. When he was a young boy, five years old, there was this war, and his father died in battle, Jonathan. Um, there was panic, and the family had to flee. And the nurse who cared for him, she dropped him. He got hurt, he got injured, and ever since he's been a cripple. And now he's there on the other side of the Jordan in that place called Lodabar. Now just imagine Mephibosheth receiving the news. You have your call to come to Jerusalem, to the royal palace. You wonder what went through his mind. It would probably be a scary idea. And we also can tell even from the way it's described in verse 6, when Mephibosheth arrives, it says he came to David and he fell on his face and paid homage. And later on, he says, who is your servant? What, what am I that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? So he probably didn't know what to expect. Um, why does the king want to see me? Does he want to treat me well or is, does he want to get rid of me? What's, what's going to happen? You never know with politicians. And then those wonderful words from the king. We come to our text. Do not fear, for I will show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Kindness. It's the Hebrew word chesed can be translated as loving kindness. It's the kind of kindness that is not enforced, but it, it flows from a loving and a compassionate heart. I want to show you kindness, chesed. What a surprise that must have been for Mephibosheth. He had never thought in his wildest dreams that this might happen. After all, his grandfather had pursued, he had tried to kill David for many years. Of course, David was going to hate him. That was to be expected. And now here he is, invited. And instead of treating him like an enemy or the child of an enemy, David says, I want to show you kindness. So here you see, we see David as a righteous king. Indeed, it is described in Psalm 72, which we sang from, someone who judges the people with justice, who defends the poor and the needy, and under, his rule, under whose rule there is peace and prosperity. And he reflects something of the character of the, the great son of David. Don't you agree? Our Lord Jesus Christ he too would show surprising kindness to people, to sinners who did not deserve it. And he too would say to people, fear not. 
For example, um, Revelation 1, when the Apostle John saw this terrifying vision, the Lord started by saying, fear not, I'll show you kindness. So the first thing we learn this morning from our text is the surprise of the kindness of God, the kindness of David, which points to the surprising kindness of God. And we see the gospel message emerging from our text because this is the surprise of the gospel for all of us. We are all sinners. We were God's enemies, we read in the Bible. And yet, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God provided for us Christ Jesus. And if we believe in him, there is no condemnation, even though we were God's enemies. So we need to apply this, brothers and sisters, to, our, to ourselves personally. Let me put it like this. Imagine yourself, like Mephibosheth perhaps, being called to appear before the king, but now the king of kings. Imagine that. And it's a realistic thing because sooner or later, it's going to happen with each one of us. We are going to get that call. Now it's your time to appear before the Holy One. Second Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things while done in the body, whether good or bad. So, it's going to happen. Picture yourself standing there before the judgment seat. You know what kind of person you are. You know what kind of things you have done during your lifetime here on earth. You know what kind of verdict you deserve. It's a scary thought. It can make you tremble. And then to hear these words, do not fear. I will show you kindness. That's the surprising message of the gospel. Sinners like you and me who deserve judgment are acquitted because we have put our trust in the Son of God, Christ Jesus. We have believed the gospel promise that His blood cleanses us from sin and guilt. Clean record applied to us. All their debts, all our debts paid by Him. That's the message of the Lord's Supper this morning. The bread is broken, you will see it. The wine poured out, symbols, and a guarantee. You don't have to fear God anymore because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What kindness shown to miserable sinners like you and me. That's surprising indeed. That's the first thought. Now, the question may come up, what confidence do we have that we will really hear those comforting words, do not fear, I will show kindness to you? How could Mephibosheth be sure that King David was not just trying to be, to project the image of a nice, friendly king 
for the media or something? How could he be sure that what the king says is really true and he's, I can count on this? And that brings us to the reason that David mentions. I'm sure you've noticed this already. He gives a reason. David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness. Why? For the sake of your father, Jonathan. Now you remember the story of David and Jonathan, his, their friendship, remarkable friendship. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, who was persecuting David, but Jonathan was the friend of David, and they made a covenant with each other. 1 Samuel chapter 18. And Jonathan had told David, I know that you will be king one day, for sure. Now please, you have to promise me that you will show kindness, there is that word, to me and my descendants. And David had said, I promise before the Lord. So now David is the king, and he remembers his promise to Jonathan. And that is why he is asking and determined to do what he had promised to his friend. I, and he tells Jonathan's son, I will show you kindness for the sake of your father. So, we see David here acting as a man of integrity. He keeps his promises. He doesn't wait till one day, perhaps, a son of Saul will come out of the woodwork. He goes looking for them, and someone is found, Mephibosheth. He could have been forgotten. He was, as I said, he was hiding in a corner somewhere. But David took the initiative to find him so, because he wanted to keep his promise to Jonathan. So, you see the line, I'm sure, already appearing here. There's a covenant. Promises had been made. David is a forerunner of Christ, the kind of king under whose rule the people will experience justice and peace. So if David, who was not a perfect man, if David was already like this, how much more can we trust that the great son of David will do the same? So much more because he is the son of God and he is without sin. If David was able to keep his promise to Jonathan and show kindness to Jonathan's son, how much more can you and I be sure that the Lord Jesus will keep his promises to us? that God will keep his promise about an everlasting covenant. God has always been faithful, you know that. From the days of Genesis, when he established his covenant with Abraham, the father of believers, through the centuries, God was always faithful. And then he sent his own son to be our savior, and God has been faithful till today. Now we are here, counted as children of Abraham. When we look at ourselves, you will agree that we have no reason to be confident that we will experience the Lord's kindness. But thankfully, we don't have to look at ourselves. It doesn't depend on, on us. The Bible says, look at Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12. And that's what we do every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. You, have, you will hear these words again this morning. They are in the form. 
Do not cling with your heart to the outward symbols of bread and wine, but lift up your heart on high in heaven, where Christ our advocate is at the right hand of his heavenly Father. Let us not doubt that we shall be nourished and refreshed in our souls with his body and blood. Let us not doubt. When I look at myself, everything is doubtful. But when I look at Christ, everything is secure because there is the covenant promise. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or to state it in the positive, those who put their faith in Christ Jesus will experience God's loving kindness now and always. Yeah, sometimes, you know, we do not have enough trust. We hear the gospel being preached every Sunday from this pulpit, I'm sure. Every Sunday you hear the gospel, and yet we do not always trust that the Lord will really receive us and show us kindness. Maybe because of things that happen in our life, or maybe because of sins that we have committed, and is God really going to show me kindness? So, it's the beautiful task of messengers of the gospel, like I'm one of them, that we may proclaim to you every time again that God is good, that he will fulfill his covenant promises to show kindness to us. God started to do that on the day of your baptism, when you were brought into church, maybe as a baby, or maybe, maybe you came to church later and you were baptized, whatever the case may be. But when you were baptized, God promised to you that he will show you kindness, always. He will surround you with his fatherly care. He said, I will forgive your sins because of the work of Jesus Christ, and I will give you my Holy Spirit to dwell in you, to renew you. So in our text, we see King David, a messianic king, good king, good man, a ruler who shows kindness to the grandson of his enemy, very unexpected. It's a beautiful story that illustrates what God is doing to us. We were God's enemies because of our sins, and yet he came to us and showed kindness to us. We come to the last aspect of the text. So David has promised to show kindness to Mephibosheth, and he has explained why for the sake of covenant with Jonathan, and now David also makes it practical, and he explains how this is going to work. So this is the last part of the text. David says, And I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. So there are two things here. The first is that David says, I will give you all the land of your father Saul. What a reversal of fortune. 
Just imagine again this man, Mephibosheth. He was on the other side, far away, hiding in someone's basement, trying not to be seen. And now he can come back and take possession of all the land of his grandfather, King Saul, who used to be the enemy of, of King David. And he's an invalid. He's a cripple. He cannot work the land himself, so David makes provision for that too. Here is Ziba and all his sons and his servants. They will do the work and uh, make sure that you have enough income with your family. So David, it's more than just nice words. It's word and deed. It's very practical. The king's kindness, his words translate into a happy life. That's the first thing. The second thing is, now you shall eat at my table always. Again, just imagine Mephibosheth trying to hide far away and now coming back and being welcomed at the king's table not once, not twice, but every day. He's going to be part of the family. He's adopted into the royal family. He's He's going to be there with Amnon and Absalom and Solomon and all the king's sons and enjoy all the privileges that they have. Well, try to imagine yourself in Mephibosheth's situation. It's, it's just mind-boggling. But maybe we should rather do this, brothers and sisters. What does it mean for you and me? A table is prepared for you and me here in church. I hope most of you can participate. The children maybe not yet, but you will get there. A table is prepared in church. The Lord shows us his kindness. He remembers his covenant with us. He grants us a place at his table. We are treated like sons and daughters of the King. Everything that Jesus, the Son of God, has achieved and earned, He shares with us. This is the beautiful concept of adoption. The New Testament speaks of that so beautifully. I'll read you a few verses from Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, verse 4, and following, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son then you are an heir through God. We have been adopted as sons and daughters of God because of Jesus Christ, our brother. Everything that he did, he wants to share with, with us. So, when there is a feast in the house of the Father, the Lord Jesus wants us to be there with him. And the bread and the wine are symbols of this. And you know, they 
convey a peculiar message. They tell us that Jesus had to die in order for this to be possible because we were sinners. He had to die for us. So it should keep us humble. Someone had to die for us to be able to be God's sons and daughters. But he did. So there is always a little bit of sorrow around the Lord's Supper because these are the signs of someone who died. And at the same time, it's a matter of great joy because it tells us that because of his death and his resurrection, now we get to have a seat at the table with all the princes, everyone, the great ones of the old covenant and the new covenant, and most of all with Jesus, the Son of God. How shall we summarize now the message of the text? So we see how King David's actions display three aspects of God's character, God's kindness, God's faithfulness to his covenant, to his promises, and God's blessings, the abundance of his blessings. And if you want one word, maybe three words is too many to remember. Maybe just remember this word, God's kindness. You know yourself, you know your history, you have no reason to put confidence in yourself, but then you hear the gospel and you see the bread and wine on the table and you know you can apply these words to yourself. Do not fear, for I will show kindness to you for the sake of my son Jesus Christ, and you will eat at my table always. So finally then, how do you respond to this? I need to ask that question. How do you respond to this? So what would have been the worst thing that Mephibosheth could have done? The worst thing I think you would agree is if Mephibosheth had said, I don't trust this, I'm safe here in my basement on the other side of the river, I'm not going to go there. He would have missed on experiencing the kindness of the king. So, although, although he was probably afraid and everything else, he did come. Maybe in his heart he trusted that the king was kind after all. So he did come to Jerusalem and he put himself at the mercy of the king. And that's what you and I have to do as well. Every day of our life. Do not stay in Lodabar whatever that may mean in your situation. But come and put yourself at the mercy of the great son of David, Jesus Christ, each and every day of your life. Seek his blessing, seek his presence, and just trust that you will experience God's kindness always. Amen.